All right, everybody. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Uh, I know I'm wearing shorts, and uh, and it feels so good. Uh, I'm a father. You all get to wear shorts every Sunday. I'm wearing shorts on Father's Day. I know it's a bit of a distraction for you all. Uh, so just focus. Keep your attention. I, my eyes, are, my face is here, and uh, not not my legs. Uh, so, hey, uh, if you haven't noticed, VBS is this coming week, and we got so much going on for that. A uh, couple things in regard to VBS. Uh, the first is at the end of service, uh, it, I know it's Father's Day and you guys are supposed to have the day off, but if all you guys could just help us stack chairs, uh, that would really help the Lifehouse Kids t- uh, Dream Team. And then secondly, uh, we're also looking for some help for registration on Monday only. So if you were like wanting to help out with this amazing week of VBS, uh, you, just, you can talk with Julie Davis about this uh, right after service. She will give you all the information on what you need to do. Uh, Julie's in here, actually. She's right over there. And if nothing bad happens on the kids' hall, she'll be there at the end of service. Uh, so you can go find her and talk with her about that. Well... It's interesting, on, uh, churches are kind of notorious. On Mother's Day, uh, we, we, we tend to praise the moms, right? On Father's Day, we uh, tell all the dads how bad they are. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like, if you've if you ever been to, like, a church on Father's Day, you kind of discover that you find out all of the things that you're doing wrong and you feel bad. Well, you're not going to get that this morning today. Uh, I think I I have the best Father's Day message uh, for you today, dads, and it will be applicable to all of us, um, to to everyone here this morning, but I think for us dads, it it will be really, really important for us. Uh, Because the the truth is, is, as a dad, it's hard to, it's hard to be a dad. It's hard to raise kids. How many of you, how many of you are dads in here? Just, uh, just, just see a show of hands. Okay, so quite a few, about as many as first service, and it's hard being a dad. I'm not saying it's harder than being a mom, because we all know that that's not true, but it is difficult. And it's difficult because we know inherently that, uh, that in this culture, in today's age, uh, all of it seems like all of the result of needing counseling today is because of dads, right? There's dad issues and stuff. And so we work really hard to keep our kids out of future counseling, that's our goal, right? We don't want them to be in counseling with dad issues, but that can be really, really difficult without some help. And so my hope today is that I would have you see the help that you need uh, in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to conclude our time in this series. I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 2. It's our theme verse for, uh, for this series. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And that's the challenge in today's culture is many people have no point of reference when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Uh, They understand God the Father uh, because they have a father, and whether that father's been a good father or not, there is still some sort of frame of reference to God the Father. And then we understand, to, to some extent, God the Son, Jesus uh, walked this earth, and so there's stories about Jesus on this earth, and, and we know that, and, and we can kind of wrap our head around that. But when it comes to God the Holy Spirit, uh, 
we just we didn't know that it existed or or we're confused by it or we don't fully have a grasp on what that means for our life today and so the issue is that many people don't know uh, about the holy spirit but what's interesting is everyone as a as a follower of jesus everyone wants kind of the the power and the gifts that come and the empowerment that comes from the holy spirit we just we're kind of we don't want some of the goofiness that's associated with it and so in week one, we decided that the um, Holy Spirit really means a, a breath of fresh air. It's, uh, and we kind of said, man, we could really use today a breath of fresh air. I like the picture of a sailboat, that if we were a sailboat and we had a sail, uh, that the Holy Spirit is the wind that moves us. Uh, and sometimes in my relationship with the Lord and just in my journey of faith, there are times where it just feels like I'm at a standstill and I just need a fresh wind to come and move me forward. So we also looked at the word Pentecost, which is a Jewish holiday. It means 50. Uh, God poured out his Holy Spirit on uh, his people on that day, on Pentecost, uh, and then last week, we took a look at the word charismatic, and we d- discovered that the word charisma means uh, grace, uh, or that charis means grace, and charisma is really grace gifts, that there's gifts that God wants to give you through his Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we discovered that there's 27 gifts, not 26, that there's actually 27. And, and I really kind of just lumped all of the gifts, just so you know, I lumped them all together. There's grace gifts that, that come that are kind of imparted into us. Uh, and then there's supernatural gifts that come through the immersion of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we, we talked a little bit about that as well, and, and we, we'd be happy to talk with you more about that. But today I want to talk about baptism. In the biblical text, the word baptism means immersion. It means to be immersed in something. And, uh, and there are three types of baptisms that we can see in our spiritual journey. And the first is, and this is in your notes, uh, that we are baptized into the body of Christ. And, and you could just write right there next to your notes, salvation. That when we are baptized into the body of Christ, that's really the point at which we become saved. And your salvation experience isn't a religion, It's not attending church on a regular basis. It's not becoming a member of a church or giving to a church or serving in a church. Baptism into salvation has always meant and will continue to always mean a personal relationship, an immersion into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's always intended to be this passionate relationship with God. And you might be thinking, well, you know, I've been here the past couple of weeks, and it seems like we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, yet you start every sermon about salvation. And the truth is, is that's because I don't ever want us to be confused that our salvation is tied to any of the other stuff that I'm talking about. That our, our salvation is a gift, Scripture says. It's a free gift that comes from God, that we are saved by grace through our faith, not of anything else that we can do. And so it's very important for me to clarify for all of us that our salvation is here and it has nothing to do with these other two things that I'm about to talk about. So uh, it is a free gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. 
Galatians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, that's salvation, have clothed. Uh, Another translation is immersed. You have covered, you've immersed yourself with Christ. You have a relationship. It's This has always been a going all in decision is what salvation is. It's uh, it's deciding I'm I'm completely committed to this relationship with Christ. The second baptism that I want to talk about is water baptism. It's a separate experience from your salvation, as I just said. And you say, well, yeah, we heard you the first time, but I'm just making sure you hear me. Because here's the thing is there's a whole group of believers uh, followers of Jesus who believe that you have to be sa- uh, that you have to be baptized in water in order to be saved, and that's just erroneous. It's not true. That uh, there's some people who actually believe that you have to be baptized in their church in order to be saved. Uh, there's even others who believe that it's the words that are said while you're being water baptized that really make sure that, you, that, that the water baptism sticks. That, that if you don't say the right words when you're being baptized, that somehow you're not really baptized. Which is pretty ridiculous if you think about it. Because if you're being baptized in water and you're under the water while the person baptizing you is saying something... You don't know what they're saying, unless you can hear through water, right? But it's not like you go down, they come up, oh, sorry, they didn't say the right words in the right way, so it, let's do it again. No, it, that, that's crazy. So there's some who believe that you have to be water baptized in Jesus' name. There's others who believe that you have to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just so you know what we believe here as a church, when we do water baptism, we do water baptism through immersion, all the way under, come up in the, name of the, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, just to cover all our bases and make sure that we're, we're good. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized. So they accepted the message, the gospel, they were saved, were then water baptized. Accepting the message of Jesus is a private decision. It's a decision that you make on your own. However, it's a private decision that eventually needs to go public. It needs, you know, somebody says, well, my faith is, is just a very private thing. I try to keep it to myself. Well, scripturally, at some point, your personal faith in Jesus Christ should become a public confession of your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's done through baptism. It's really a testimony. Baptism, it's why we have uh, wedding ceremonies, Right where everybody comes in and there's two people here and we all witness a profession of love that's taking place. And water baptism is your profession of love, uh, a a proclamation of love to the world. Uh, It's why we wear wedding bands. We wear these not because these make us married, but because they tell people what's in our heart, that we belong to someone else. And water baptism is much of the same. It's a public confession that I belong to God. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. So don't disown God. Instead, acknowledge him publicly. 
so that the whole world will know and so that you will be acknowledged before the Father. I want you to see a uh, third baptism that we can see in Scripture, and that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The disciples had received salvation, and, uh, and then Peter or Paul came to them and, and said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we've never heard of it. Here, here's the thing. I, I want to make sure we understand this. So when you get saved, when you receive the baptism of salvation, the Holy Spirit is imparted into you. And I just want to make, make that very clear. The, the, the best way that I can describe it is if I had a cup of water, uh, the cup being you and the water being the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit in you at the point of salvation. What we're talking about with, with uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the immersion of the Holy Spirit is if you were to take that cup of water and drop it into a massive pool. Right now, you've, it's immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's really what we're talking about here. In Acts chapter 8, uh, there's a story of Philip. He's going around and he's preaching uh, in all kinds of cities about God. And, and I'll read to you uh, from verse 5, and then we're going to get into the verses that are in your notes. But uh, Philip went down to a city in Samaria. He proclaimed the Messiah there. But when they believed salvation, Philip, uh, but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were then baptized, water baptized, both men and women. I want, to, I want you to see the, the progression here. So they believed, and then they were baptized. And then in verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, and when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So the question for us this morning is, why? Why do we need separate experiences? Why do we need these separate baptisms beyond salvation? Why, why, do they, why, can, why can't it all just be lumped up into one thing? And the easy and simple answer to that is because the one thing, salvation, can never be contingent upon anything else that we do. So if I'm getting water baptized, it's a, it's a conscious decision for me to go, to get into the horse trough that we have here, and, the, and to, go to, to make that decision to be baptized is within my ability to do. And salvation isn't within my ability to do. I cannot save myself. Nothing I do, no matter how much I serve or preach or teach or give or attend church, none of that helps me be saved. And so the baptism of water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit have to be separate from salvation. We have to have these separate occurrences. And there is some things in regard to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that require some things of us. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is really for the intended purpose for us to go out and do the work of the ministry. So, when you get saved, when you receive the baptism of salvation, you surrender your life to God, you are now on mission. And your mission is to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, to share with people. I had somebody in, in, in 
first service during the middle of service asked me, what do you think this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit means for me today? It means that as believers, we are emboldened, we are empowered to go and do the work of the ministry, but we can't do it without the immersion of the Holy Spirit in our life. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 through 8 in the New King James Version, uh, it, this is an interesting passage of Scripture because it's, uh, it's a somewhat controversial. And I only tell you that because I, I would never want to uh, give you Scripture or give you any sort of teaching uh, without you having the full context of this. And so this passage of Scripture, maybe some of you care about it, maybe some of you don't, uh, but in the original uh, text, in the, in the documents that in antiquity, uh, what I'm about to read you actually wasn't in the text. It was written in the margins. And it was it, it eventually made it into some of the translations in Scripture, but not all the trans. In fact, very few of the translations have this. The New King James Version went ahead and used it because it's the, it, it's the implication of what the next verse says. So I'm going to read it to you. And, uh, and if you're like, well, if it wasn't in the original text, I'm throwing it out throw it out. Fine, the last part of it will be enough for you to apply to your life. So, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. That's the part that was written in there. It's the, we're talking about the Father, uh, the Word, which the Word became flesh. That's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Trinity here. Uh, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. And this is in all the translations, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. So the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, baptism of water, and the baptism of blood are salvation in Jesus Christ. So what do we need to do in the receiving and the immersion of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life? Well, I've, just, I've kind of rearranged your notes today so you can skip past number one. We're going to come back to that in a second. And you can go to number two. The first is that we receive the power that God has given me. This is the power to live a life that pleases God. Colossians 1.10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That, that through the immersion of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to receive the power that God has for us. Uh, to, it's the power to know the truth. I talk to people all the time, they just struggle reading God's word. And maybe, maybe we just need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit in our life to, to illuminate for us the scriptures. It's the power to be free from the bondage of sin and death. Romans 8.2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And it's the power to be strengthened. In Ephesians 3.16, it says that, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit. Sometimes in my life, I just need a, a strengthening. Right? We just need to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, we're reminded that there is a power that comes from an immersion of the Holy Spirit. It says... Uh, in verse 8, but you will receive power, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then there's kind of some instruction. Okay, now that you've received the power, now you have to be my witnesses. I need you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And then in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus himself, himself says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. I want you to stay in the city until you are clothed. There's that word again, meaning immersed, until you are immersed with power from on high. And then next we need to receive him by faith. I don't really like this part uh, about God. Uh, I don't like that. Uh, I, I'm, I like to know things, right? I don't really take a lot of risks. I take calculated risks because I kind of know what's, gonna, what's coming my way. But I, I don't like this idea that the things of God require faith. The things of God require me to take a leap. And everything that we receive from God from the moment that we are baptized into salvation from our spiritual birth all the way until our death, like those two things, like from here to here require faith. And there's so many people that just, they, they, they struggle with Christianity or religion or, or God or whatever, but the, the truth is, is that if you are trying to explain everything, you, you will be in trouble because what this journey that we are on requires faith. And you're like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for that. I thought you were going to explain everything to me. No, you, you're going to have to have some faith in this. If you want to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, you can be immersed right now by faith. Let me uh, let me use this illustration. So, if I, I don't I don't carry checks anymore, but um, I was just out of town recently, and we had a checkbook in a junk drawer somewhere, and uh, I told my wife to 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 go to the bank because she needed some cash. She didn't have her debit card, and just write a check out to the teller, and they would give you some cash. Well, when we when she does that, when when we write a check, assuming that we have money in the bank account. When we write a check, we don't get on our knees and plead the teller to give us some money. We, we're not, come on, please, I need $100. Can you please, you know, we're not begging and pleading because we have faith that they're going to give us the money. And, and it's not unlike our relationship with God where we don't have to beg God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. We don't have to beg and plead and hope that God will, will somehow immerse us in his Holy Spirit. We don't have to barter with him through fasting and praying. We, the reality is, is that everything that we need is already in the bank. We just have to have the faith to believe that he's going to impart it into us. So it is the passage of scripture that kind of changed me a little bit was where it talks about that the just shall live by faith. Instead, you know, there was times in my, in my journey of faith where I was, I was pleading and crying out to God, just immerse me in your Holy Spirit. And, and I don't have to. I can just live by faith. The Holy Spirit isn't given to us so that we have some emotional experience. That being said, there are times when we are immersed in the Holy Spirit 
where we are emotional. But it's never the intended purpose isn't so that we would become emotional, but that we might live a holy life and be a fruitful witness for Christ. So whether you have an emotional experience or not is not the issue. The issue is, do you have the faith to believe that God has everything in the bank for you? Interestingly, there's really no place in Scripture where we are told to pray for the immersion of the Holy Spirit. There's examples where hands were laid on and prayed over and that took place, but but never is there any example where it says that we are to pray some certain prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. No, it says you are filled by your faith. However, since our object of our faith is God and his word, maybe I could suggest that we pray to him claiming the fullness of Christ of his spirit, the fullness of his spirit in Christ as he has commanded and promised over us. So everything he offers is like a jumping off, a leap of faith. It's a jumping off into the unknown. There was a, one of my favorite stories growing up. Um, I grew up in Oregon. Uh, we had this river called the Deschutes River, and it's, it's a little bit, it's not like uh, the Col- Colmel River or the Guadalupe River. It's, it's like an actual river. That uh, I'm just kidding. That was mean. I, I, hey, I've been here 10 years, so I'm kind of Texan, so I... I no, it's, it's like a flowing, rushing river. And, uh, and, and so there's this, uh, you can float the river in these rafts by, with a guide. And the guide kind of tells you which direction to go. And, and so what would happen is uh, at the end of a set of rapids, your boat would take on water. And so then you got to empty it out. You got to pull over to the shore, and you got to you got to empty your boat out. Well, uh, one of my favorite stories when I was a kid is my dad went on this uh, river boat, uh, river rafting trip with his roommate from Bible college, and they're going down the river, and they get done with a set of rapids, and their boat had taken on a bunch of water, and. And so they had to empty it out. And so the guide leads them over to the shore and, and told uh, my dad's friend Gary to get out of the boat and pull them in the rest of the way. Well, the guide knew something that Gary did not know was that where it should have only been a couple feet deep was actually he'd steered him right into a hole. And so that as soon as he jumped in, he was just going to go all the way down. And so he, you know, he jumps in thinking it's going to be two feet and just whoom, all the way down. That's my job. My job is to be your guide to steer you in and not trick you necessarily, but to, to get you to a place where you're, you're jumping off into something that's much deeper. At the beginning of the year, really all throughout the year, I've been sharing with you a a prophecy uh, that was written in Ezekiel. And I want to read it to you because it's so applicable to this illustration. 
It's from Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 3 through 5. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. And later on in that prophecy, it says, and there was uh, in the river, talking about the river specifically, it was teeming with life. See, all of, of what I'm what we're trying to do is to just measure off and take you a little deeper so that you eventually, you, you're about to take another step and you're just in the river. And it's not because we want to see laugh at you when you pop back up, but it's so that we know that it is teeming with life and that if there is life in the river, I'm going to do whatever I can to get you there maybe trick you a little bit. Scripture talks about to be innocent, uh, uh, to be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. So maybe that's, that's my job, is to be wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove, wise as a serpent, get you to there and say, yeah, just, just jump over and pull us in. You'll be fine. And all of a sudden, you're swimming in a river that is filled with life. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What I love about that passage is it's a picture of this prophecy where everybody is at a different stage. And that's okay. That everybody is at a different phase in their journey, and some are still standing on the shore looking at all of this, wondering, I don't even know if I'm interested in, in getting in that water. There are some people who in their life have, have gone deeper, and maybe they've gotten to their waist, but some catastrophic thing has happened in their life, or, uh, or because of circumstances, they've reverted back to the safety of, of the shores of what they know, not of taking that next next step. But whatever the case, God loves you right where you're at. And all he's looking for, he's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for perfect people. He's just looking for people whose hearts are wanting more. He's looking for people whose hearts are longing for more of him in their life. You can go back to point number one. We need to be continually filled. Ephesians 5.18 talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and the translation of that word feel, filled there is continually filled over and over and over again. Why would we need to be continually filled? Well, we leak. Honestly, we, let me, let me put a positive spin on that. So we should be continually filled because we should be pouring out. That, that, there's, that we are giving everything that we have of the Holy Spirit in us when we walk out those front doors. 
that every person we come into contact, whether it be our, at work or our neighbors or our family, that we're constantly pouring out of who God is in our life to other people. And so we constantly have to be coming back and saying, I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need a constant immersion in the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Paul needed it. The apostles needed it. And I think for us, it may be more important than we even realize. The book, the book of Acts shows us that this filling made a difference for the church in the face of difficult questions. Peter, Peter was, uh, was in custody. He's, he found himself being asked difficult questions about a healing that had taken place. So this healing had taken place, and now they're asking him, by what power or by what name have you done this? And the next part is what's very interesting. Just before he spoke, he received what he needed. It says, then Peter, filled, immersed, clothed with the Holy Spirit, said to them. You and I are going to be asked a lot of difficult questions in this life. We live in a culture that's constantly questioning why we believe in God. What is it about God that draws us to him? We're being like, by whose power and authority do we serve? And in and of ourselves, I don't know that we've got the answers. By ourselves, honestly, I... I know there are times in which I go into counseling appointments and different circumstances where I don't, I don't have the answers. I was with a couple recently who were saying, I don't know what to do with our, our teenage daughter who just says she doesn't believe in God and doesn't want anything to do with God. I don't know what to say. And neither do I. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, He can speak through me. He gives us words of wisdom. He gives us words of knowledge. He, he gives us prophetic words for people, words that aren't our own. I used to say, I don't know, that's weird. I don't know if I can wrap my head around that. You can't. I can't wrap my head around that. I just know that there are times when I go into circumstances and situations saying, God, I don't know what to say. I'm supposed to help them. I'm supposed to walk with them and cry with them and love them. And I don't have a clue. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit will speak through me. You say, well, you're the pastor, Ryan. Of course he does. No, no, no. He poured his spirit out on all of us. We're being asked these impossible questions and we'll continue to be asked them. And so we have to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7, verse 55, this is, again, the apostle's talking and he says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. God gives us a picture of who he is as we are continually immersed in his Holy Spirit. And all of that is so that we can relate to him daily. Our job, my my paid job, if you will, 
Because, I, listen, I do a, some of what my teaching here and stuff, um, there is expectations and things on the business side of this, but, but my spiritual dream team job is to be your guide in, down the river. And to just take you a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper because this whole thing of faith or this whole thing, this whole journey of Christianity and this journey that we are on requires faith and everything of God requires us stepping off, taking that final step where we're no longer in the shallow end of things. It's taking a step into the river. And that's honestly my prayer for you, is that you would experience that. And I, if you're not ready for that, that's okay. No problem. Continue to come. I'll continue to measure off 100 cubits for you. And I will continue to take... The person I was talking to in between services says, I think I'm somewhere around knee deep and waist deep. But I keep getting in the way of just taking the step. And it was interesting. She said, I keep getting in the way of just stepping into the river. And again, you say, well, what does that look like? What does it look like to live immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit? I think it looks a lot like it did in the Bible. If you want to know what it looks like today, I think it should look a lot more like it did in the Bible, but I don't think it does, at least in our culture. And some of that is our own pride, it's our own insecurities, it's our, it's our fear, it's our selfishness, it's, it's, it's a lack of faith to step out into that. And I know I'm using some kind of judgy words here, but, but the truth is, is it should look like that, but it probably doesn't, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't, it shouldn't moving forward. That we should earnestly desire that our life be one that is emboldened. That was the word I used with her was I said it to be immersed in the Holy Spirit when we walk out of this place we should be empowered and live with a boldness to share and be a witness of who Jesus Christ is in our life. So I'll, I'll kind of go out on a limb a little bit and if you break it off I'm going on vacation so you can send all your emails to Jeremy. Actually, he's going to be gone too. <laughs> uh, if you don't feel emboldened to share your faith, to love your neighbor, to talk with people about what God's done in your life, could I just be honest and say that you probably need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit? That, that if, if, if you don't walk around with the eyes to see people with the love of Jesus Christ Dads, if, you, if you're struggling in your home with your children and you don't feel like you have anything to offer them or you feel like you're gonna, they're going to end up in counseling or worse, I would say you probably need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I want to pray this over you. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to give people this morning the opportunity to receive salvation and, and to pray with them. Uh, and then we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And then I'm going I'm to give you an opportunity to respond to this prayer. 
I'm praying that you would have uh, an encounter and that you would understand what 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, that you would understand the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ. But that you would also experience the extravagant love of God and this. See, I think we're good with those first two. It's, but my prayer is that you would also experience the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit in all of you. Let's pray. Father, we realize that nothing of this, this journey, this journey that we're on has to have a genesis. It has to have a starting point at salvation where we are baptized into a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And so just as we do every single Sunday morning, I don't know everybody that's here today, so I want to give you the opportunity to experience that. Experience a relationship with Jesus Christ that maybe you've never had before. There's nothing that you can do, nothing that you can't earn it. It's just a gift that he wants to give to you today if you'll receive it. So if you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to pray in just a moment. And if you'd like me to include you in that prayer of salvation, uh, where you say, I cannot lead my own life anymore. I need God to lead me. If that's, if that's you and you would like me to include you in that prayer, I would just invite you to raise your hand so I can acknowledge you. And then nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you, but good. Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Yeah. In the back, I see you. Anybody else today? Because here's the thing. Nothing of, of what I'm talking about, this, this empowerment and immersion of the Holy Spirit can't even take place until this happens. So, Father, for these two, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer that is just from from me. The two of you who just raised your hand, you really have to, this has to come from you. I'll give you the language for it. I'll give you some words, but ultimately from your heart, from your mind, you have to pray this. And it's simply, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender everything of, of myself completely to you today. I've been leading my life my way. I've been doing things my way. And now, God, I want you to be the leader of my life. I've been caught up in my own death of the past. I don't want to be resurrected to life as we sang about earlier. And so today, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if that was you, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know that that's something that you've needed to do in your life, I'm going to invite you to uh, mark that on the card. There's a little place that says, I, I committed my life to Jesus today. 
Would you just mark that and someone will be in touch with you this week. We'd love to just walk with you through this journey of faith. I'm going to ask that you remain seated. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And, uh, and then I'm going to give you some instructions on how we're going to end our service. So ushers, go ahead and come. I'm going to pray for our offering. You can get those ready. You can also drop your card if you've got to finish filling that up in the basket as well. Father, we, we give our tithes and our offerings as a sacrifice of our praise. Every single Sunday, I feel like I pray the same prayer, but it doesn't change. Everything that we have personally, you've given to us in the first place. And so God, we give back as a sacrifice, as a, we, we, we put it on the altar as they did in antiquity, maybe not up on a, on a literal altar, but a figurative altar and say, God, you do with it what you will. We're just giving it to you because it belonged to you in the first place. God, as, the, as a leader in this church, I pray that you would use these tithes and offerings to do the miraculous, to change people's eternities, their family trees, that from this moment as these two have surrendered their life to you today, that from this moment on, everything changes. Their life is new. God, I pray for more of that in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead. You can drop your card and your gifts in there. And I'm just going to wait until they're done because I, I want to give you another opportunity to respond this morning to the Lord. Last week, I, um, I asked, I think I asked, you know, if you, if you want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then I kind of qualified them with three different things. And, uh, and I think it, it probably maybe brought some confusion and stuff. And so I, I just don't want there to be any confusion this morning. I, I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to what I said earlier. And that is, I just need, an, I need to be immersed with the Holy Spirit in my life. It's that simple. It, that, that you are in a place to where you, you feel like I do sometimes where your boat's just not, it's not going anywhere. It just feels like we're stuck in, in what uh, nautical terms call a doldrum where there's no wind. It's just, they would die in that actually. The boats would get stuck in this weird, uh, I don't know what they call it, weather pattern where it, it just it's called a doldrum and there's no wind and their boat couldn't go anywhere and maybe you feel that way maybe you feel like you're in a doldrum maybe you feel like you you've gotten waist deep and you know that the next step needs to be into the into the river of your life the river of his life I should say but you're afraid because you know that Maybe you, you're afraid you don't know how to swim or, or whatever the case may be. But you need to take that step. Maybe, maybe you're somewhere along this spectrum and you, you have faith in Jesus, but you just need an immersion of his Holy Spirit. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand. 
And I'm not trying to embarrass you, but there is something of a uh, response that I think we get so easy to just sit and listen and consume. And rarely do we get challenged to just kind of get out of our comfort zone. And so if that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand right now. And if it's not you, just go ahead and sit and pray. But I want to pray over everyone that that just feels like I need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit today. All right? gets easier when people do it first, right? Like, I'll do it if somebody else does it first. Father, for every person that's standing, I pray a breath of fresh air. I pray for your Holy Spirit to immerse them, empower them, to give them a boldness like they've never had before. It's not that they're not saved, they are. But God, for whatever their circumstance, whatever their life, whatever their situation, that your Holy Spirit would consume them today. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, for our salvation. And that we can make that public through water baptism. But God, I'm also thankful that you sent a helper in the Holy Spirit. That you sent your Holy Spirit to immerse us, to give us power, to give us authority over sin and death. God, you did that for us, and for that I'm grateful. God, for all of us, let us be a people who desire more of you in our life. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with the rest of us, and we're going to close out our time in worship. In singing worship, we've been worshiping in the word, we've been worshiping in the giving of our tithes and offerings, but I'm going I'm to invite us to close our time out in worship. We've got time, your kids are taken care of. I want us to just desire more of him today. That We would just, even in our worship time, we would invite more of his Holy Spirit into our life. And if you are here this morning and you would like prayer, our prayer team's available, and they'll be available as long as you need them. Sometimes it's good, as Scripture says, that uh, they laid hands on them, and they prayed for them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's good for us to go and step out, and, and during this first song, just make your way and go and get prayer, and ask them, ask our prayer team to, to just say, I want more of God in my life. Will you pray that over me? Can we do that while we sing?